on this episode of Comedy Rewind. How did Jada Patel find so many future comedy stars for supporting roles in The 40-Year-Old Virgin? How can a film with so many jokes that have aged poorly still be so funny? Was Seth Rogen seriously 22 years old when this came out? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio Technica and Manscaped as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host John O'Peck and joining me is a man with his own fair share of collectibles on the wall. It's Mario Picardio, aka Mario Not Bros. How you doing? What's going on, Jonah? Good to be yeah. back. Yeah, it's a very, very quick return for you. Back by popular demand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But a man that I'm very excited to introduce, possibly one of my dream guests for Comedy Rewind, it's the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino from Kind of Funny. How you doing, Nick? Good. What's going on, guys? Happy to be here. Very excited to be talking about The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Yeah. Uh, which is so... It's funny, I've seen this movie multiple times through the years, but when you start watching it critically, you're like, oh, there's a lot to unpack in this one. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a bit like that, isn't it? And uh, I, I really pinpointed you for this one. Like, I was like, this is such a Nick movie in many, like, multiple ways, which we'll get through. Um, would you agree with that uh, Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Because mostly, it, it, is, it, is, it is largely based off of very lowbrow, stupid comedy but then also mm. some very very like complex things that they're dealing with which i think is the judd apatow style right i think judd apatow brings such a, a level of like heart to his work but then is not afraid to just play in the mud uh mm. with with some of the comics and obviously like i mean you're the great thing the crazy thing about this movie is you go back and look at it and you're like um it's got an unbelievable cast of comedic actors that all that largely were unknown yeah. back then like i remember i saw i see seth rogan in that and i'm like I, this was like the first time I ever really remember seeing him because I never watched Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. So he kind of came out of nowhere. And then to think like him and Jonah Hill, like Jonah Hill has this bit cameo part where he's like shopping in the in the store, you know? And it's, eBay shop, yeah. yeah and Kevin so Hart is to, in it for like 10 seconds like a too. hot second. And then obviously like Paul Rudd being a side character in a yeah. movie is ridiculous, right? And so, and obviously, and obviously I would be remiss if I didn't uh, shout out Jane Lynch, who I think is probably, I would say top five working comics. Like a comedic actress today. I yeah. think she's an absolute killer. And every scene she's in, you're like, why is Absolutely. she not in more of this movie? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so many, like we'll get to this in some of the categories, but there's so many great actors in this movie. But on top of that, there's so many great actors who were yet to become like what we know them as now. Um, yeah. whether, whether it is Seth Rogen, whether it's Jane Lynch, Mindy Kaling and, and these people, it's like, yeah, like it is loaded. And, and any of these people could be leads in a, a film easily now yeah. so that'll be that'll be fun to kind of dig into but yeah i guess the, the other thing I, I thought about this was like some of the characters in this movie remind me of at least the persona that you've given off over the years nick so <laughs> so that'll be <laughs> no, fun i'll take to, it i'll take it that'll be fun to dig into as well but uh we, we might start with uh i mean I'll, I'll give a quick plug for kind of funny not that you guys need it but uh you know if people don't know you from uh from the film stuff you do you're obviously um, a huge part of the the internet culture and video games, but you do this uh, review series in review 
and I don't think you've done Apatow in review yet, so this might be coming in the future. But what have you been up to lately? Like you've just done some uh, the Simon Pegg movies and stuff. We did all of the Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Nick mm-hmm. Frost movies. So we did the Cornetto trilogy as well as uh, we're, we're going to be rounding that out with Baby Driver, I believe, next week. Um, and then we just started the uh, Indiana Jones quadrilogy. Um, so very excited. And a lot of uh, uh, the guys that I work with haven't seen it yet. So Blessing and Tim specifically, I think they have, I don't think they're, they're not. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's for them. I think for a lot of people, um, if you didn't grow up in the eighties, if that wasn't the time that you really Mm. were kind of your formative years, a lot of these films were on TV and you may have popped in here and there and seen scenes, or, you know, the, the internet memes of the boulder or the, or, you know, getting the idol and stuff like that. But you never really sat down and watched it because then you didn't have a chance to do that in theaters. Um, and I, I don't think I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark in theaters, but I'm pretty sure I saw Temple of Doom, and I know for sure I saw um, Last Crusade in theaters. And so having those experiences and being able to share them with some of the, the younger people on my team is is pretty cool. And just nice. also seeing kind of how those age, because obviously we're going to be talking about a lot of the stuff that doesn't age well in this movie. But then going back and watching like Raiders, there's you know there's some some interesting things that happen in there as well. But for the most part, I'm happy to say um, specifically just for Raiders, it holds up and it is a classic yeah. for a reason. Um, and it is a master class of, of blockbuster action filmmaking. Absolutely. Um, I could talk about Indiana Jones literally all day, so we won't go too deep. But I, I do want to just ramble off a few things while I have my own audience as a captive. Uh, I think that, that like the confusing thing about young people that haven't watched it to me is like everyone kind of grew up with Star Wars and Han Solo is like the coolest character in that series. Right. And I always wonder people why people don't go, this guy's awesome. What else has he been in? Oh, Indiana Jones. He's the star. I'm going to go watch that. Because I think that's I, what it was for a lot of people. Right. I think the I think people get turned off by the genre. I think people see that mm-hmm. it's a 1930s, 1940s um, exploration, action, sort of like pulp thing yeah. uh, that looks like a serial, an old serial comic. And I, I just don't think it was very... Um, I just don't think people... That style or that genre mm-hmm. is very appealing to people until you get into it. But what was absolutely fascinating was Blessing I watched it and, and the first scene, he was like, okay, this is cool. He's like an adventurer or whatever. And it's kind of, you can see some of the legacy of, of that film making its way tough, to Uncharted. Yeah. But then he said, um, he goes, but when they go back to the museum and you see him as a professor, he goes, oh, this guy's got an added dimension to him. Um, and you start to realize that, that there's a lot more depth to the character than you or than you, than was what you know what you saw kind of surface level from seeing all the internet memes mm. and stuff. So it's definitely interesting to go back and watch that. And also, there's just something great about Harrison Ford and the level of he's able to, and so few actors are able to do this, have a level of cockiness and and juxtaposed immediately by vulnerability. And, mm-hmm. and you see those interplay with him and Han Solo a little bit, but you don't really get a whole movie of him. And that's why Raiders is so cool because yeah. he's constantly biting off more than he can chew. And he is kind of too smart for his own good. Seat in his pants and, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, he's flying by the seat of his pants. He's taking advantage of people. He's done this and that. But then when he's confronted with this real powerful thing, you know, he, he kind of has to rise to the challenge. And I just think watching Harrison Ford do anything is always fun. <laughs> Yeah, the other thing I'll say is that The Last Crusade is my favorite movie ever, and I think that it holds up better than any of the others. I think that the the humor and the tone of it is almost like perfect. It's it's a, a great um, you know predecessor in some ways to what we get in the Marvel movies now, where there's like so much humor throughout, but it's got mm-hmm. this serious thing behind it the whole time. 
and the pairing of him and Sean Connery is just oh, chef's kiss perfect. Well, it's and, but it's great for a reason that my big criticism with Raiders is that there's not a lot of character growth in there because mm. he doesn't have really kind of we find him at the end of the film he's kind of exactly the same as the beginning right maybe he's learned a little bit of a lesson of maybe to keep to, to treat Marion a little bit better but <laughs> I, I I always I always disliked that because I always felt like the character didn't really. Like I never, I, f- I felt like the character was going to go out for a drink with Marion, and then they were going to go their separate ways. Mm. Whereas in uh, Last Crusade, it gives them a lot more space to play with, right? They've got this incredibly fractured relationship between he and his father, mm. and at the end of it, it's repaired, and they're better, they're better people because of that. And I think that's just, I always kind of. I kind of vibe with that a little bit more because I think there's a lot more in the B story there than the rest of the movies. Yeah, I mean, there is sure. no B story in Temple of Doom, so, <laughs> you know. Illumination you get at the end of The Last Crusade, that's for sure. So Lots of different things. We, and and the we... themes all play into it, right? Like letting yeah. go, letting go of the past, letting go of the thing that you can't ever have. Just let it go. Mm. You know, move on. It's so it's beautiful. Good. I'll look forward to that. Anyway, we're here to talk about the 40-year-old version. So, uh, <laughs> An, Another classic of Spielbergian <laughs> yeah. epicness. Just a, just a quick uh, 180 there. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's start with uh, your personal memories of this movie. Mario, you grew up in Venezuela, and I didn't talk about this the other day, but I'm curious, Like, are you watching these movies in English? Are you watching them in like Spanish? How does it work? I'm, I'm ignorant about that kind of culture and country. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a little bit of everything. Like, I th- I think pretty much the standard is usually just subtitled. You know, if you're not like a native Eng- English uh-huh. speaker, um, so I pr- probably watch it subtitled at most. And then I I taught myself English at a young age, so I was able to just well done be able to yeah thank you that made me <laughs> made me move here and not struggle anyway. Yeah. Um, so I I think probably pretty early on i just was able to catch pretty much everything um mm. in just in english but i did watch this movie a lot it was a movie that was on tv pretty often back home and definitely started watching it when i was way 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 too young like <laughs> yeah. i'll tell you that <laughs> but but it's it's been fun looking at it now with a more mature eye and more of a critical eye and kind of catch some things that i thought i missed um because mm. okay like a thing that I remembered about the movie that I'm I was kind of wrong about and and I was surprised on with the second viewing is that I I had this idea that the way that the movie played out was that you know after after the group of guys figure out that Andy's a virgin I had this idea that they were really mean to him and that they were like forcing him to do things he didn't want to mm-hmm. do and they were like assholes to him and watching it now really like shows that while yes they are assholes, they're and the like bro kind of assholes. Mm-hmm. and at the end of the day it's kind of a pretty endearing group of friends like they're all looking out for each other and they're all they just want to help andy out it's it's very wholesome in the way of they're not there to fuck him over they're giving him the best advice that they can give him they want him to succeed they they, they start liking him so it, it's fun to to kind of grow up more and instead of being of you know paying attention to the fun scenes where there's where there's a boob Mm-hmm. I can actually right. dig into dig into the sort of the relationships in the movie a little bit more. Yeah. And I think cool. that's I think that's what makes it actually a redeemable movie is that the characters themselves are redeemable. Um I, I always think that when I watch this movie, I always find myself really liking um Andy a lot because he's a good guy, right? Mm-hmm. His motivations for what he's doing are just, you know, genuinely he's a good guy. He doesn't want to take advantage of people and he's kind of scared of it after all this time. Um, and you're right, like watching it back, all of his friends are, they're good people, they're just idiots. And yeah. what's cool <laughs> to watch is that 
their um, mentality specifically toward like relationships and toward women shifts and they learn from Andy because a lot of them see like the, I think the I think one of the, the better scenes um, is when they're talking and he was like, he was like, why did you cheat on your girlfriend? And he goes, because I'm insecure. Like, how do you not know that? Right. And, and I think that's, what's so cool <laughs> is that the, the characters all around him change because of him and he changes because of them. And I think that's, that's pretty good storytelling. Um, and I think that those are the redeemable qualities of the movie, because I think as we'll get into, you know, a lot of the stuff just it like, it just fails to, it just, it just would not fly today. Our standards of what is acceptable from, for, for male behavior is just, this is not it. Um, but I, I can recommend the movie for people, I think, because the core character and the core values of that character, I think, are, um, are something that, that are good. And when he does step out of those comfort zones and when they do sort of push him over toward like taking advantage of people and, and acting kind of like irresponsibly, he revolts against that and he doesn't like doing that. Right. Um, mm. You know, he's got that. They're, they're all trying to push him just to get it done and go out and have sex with just a random person. But he, he the thing that he really is struggling with mostly is, is whether or not he's going to call um, the woman who he ends up, you know, eventually having sex with. I've got to, I got to remember these characters names. Sorry. Trish. Um, her name is yeah, yeah. Trish. So, you know, he, he loves, he likes Trish cause he wants that real connection cause he wants someone that he can trust to do this yeah. thing with. He doesn't want to just get rid of it. It's, you know, to him, it's, it's much more important than that. Um, and I think that's a, that's a very good and wholesome message to put through mm. in and amongst all of the raunchy and somewhat inappropriate by now, by today's standards, uh, <laughs> humor that they put out. Yeah. There is definitely a mix of like sweetness and I guess for the, for the analogy here, sweet and sour, as far as like the characters and their different motivations and the ways that they go about this. And it's interesting, like the, the quest to lose virginity is like an age old kind of trope in, or plot device in, in comedies from Mm -hmm. probably the eighties through to even still today. So the fact that they've done this with the spin of, it's not a teenager, it's not a, an American pie kind of thing. It's a, this 40 year old man. And, uh, you know, there's still this kind of, um, shame that, that people kind of put on him to, to start with, but you're, you're right, Nick, by the end of it, it becomes quite a wholesome movie. And we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more a bit later, but my, my memories of this, I think I, I didn't see it at the cinema. It was definitely like becoming a fan of Judd Apatow as time went on in the two thousands and going back to it for that reason. And I'm not sure if it was like from super bad or from uh, funny people or one, one of those movies that came a bit later, or it could have just been that suddenly I knew who Steve Carell was. I think like The Office mm-hmm. was very much the same year as this that that that's like the US version started up. And not that The Office was a success straight away. It kind of I think it kind of floundered in season one, and it was really once they got away from uh, the the mold of the British series that they kind of found their own way forward. And it was clear that it was going to be a, a hit for NBC. So, yeah, it may have been Steve Carell's star rising that caused me to go back and check it out. It was written, co-written by Steve Carell with Judd Apatow. And this Mm. is a thing that I think Judd Apatow really encouraged his friends to do back then, whether that it was Adam Sandler or later Jason Segel, who was apparently cut from this movie. He he encourages these guys and gals to, to write their own movies for themselves to star in and... I guess having a friend like Apatow never hurts as far as getting them made, does it? Probably not. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. But and, you know, and it's so funny because I, I read that piece of trivia too that that originally there was a spot for Jason Segel and mm. I think he would have been... I actually think he would have been really good in this movie. Um, yeah. 
because I, I, I personally, I have a soft spot in my heart for him as well, um, mostly from slackers. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think where you, you sort of miss that like sageliness of Jason Siegel, you get the ridiculousness of Paul Rudd. And (laughs) again, you want to talk about a movie. So my touchstone of this was I did see it in theaters and I remember thinking, wow, who are all these people? The only person I really knew in this movie watching it was Paul Rudd and I knew him from Clueless. And I remember thinking, wow, this guy's still got a career. That's interesting. This is probably the last movie he'll ever do. (laughs) This is why no one's ever, no one's ever accused me of being a visionary. Um, But I remember Steve Carell. I think this was the first time I really remember seeing him. I think he had done... I think Anchorman. maybe I'd seen him on Daily Show and some stuff like that. Some some contributions yeah. he'd done there. Um, so An- Anchorman had come out just the Anchorman, year prior. Brick, he played Brick. That's right. And Paul Rudd was in that as well, but he had the mustache, so you might like you might not have not everyone might have made that connection. That that's well, it was. right? No, I, I do. You're right. I do remember those, and I saw those yeah. in theaters, and I remember. I think Anchorman was one of those movies where I saw, it and I was like, I don't think I liked that. And it wasn't until the second or third time I saw it that I was like, oh, no, this is absolutely genius. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm, I just remember thinking, wow, I don't know if Will Ferrell can, can really carry a film. But then, obviously, you know, you've seen all of these, yeah. these characters, these actors in hundreds of films now <laughs> throughout their collective careers over the last mm. two decades, including, and I never can remember his name, but he's the bald guy that's in the therapy session that was also an anchorman, yeah. and he's in everything uh, now. And uh, I love David, Ke- David Keckner, yeah. Yeah, he's hilarious um but all these people are these like awesome character actors that kind of cropped up and because of um largely i I would imagine thanks to judd apatow and adam mckay have amazing careers now um and are and are continually being utilized in in comedic roles because i think jane lynch and and like yeah she was part of that too because she was in role models and a few other things too so yeah yeah very cool okay so this movie was filmed for 26 million dollars and made 177 at the box office, which is pretty good for a comedy. I think it would have been, uh, must have been probably in like the top five for the year. Do you guys have some guesses for the Rotten Tomatoes score for 40 year old virgin? Oh, Mario, go I first. I completely botched this when we did Hot Rod. Um, <laughs> I think this would definitely review better than a Hot Rod. I think it doesn't, it's not as much of like a cult comedy. I think it's more of just like a, a hit comedy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go. I'm going to say 71%. That's around what I was going to say. I was going to say 67%. Oh, that's pretty low. It was 85. So okay. surprisingly. Maybe that's cons- just, maybe that's more telling of how we think of Rotten Tomatoes than we yeah. think of what people, how this movie should be. What was Hot Rod just out of curiosity? Uh, do you it was like in the low 30s. Yeah. I, th- was, I, th- I thought it was going to be at least 70, but it was like in the yeah. low 30s. I think I, because this movie is so crass, I would have expected it to probably be in the 70s as well. I think some I, people would have been turned off just by that. But. The thing is with rated R comedies is people there's like a there's like a like a ledge, right? Mm. Where it's like everyone, I guess it's a reverse ledge in this case, but like people are very very suspect of them and really highly critical unless they're hilarious. And then you everyone just unanimously goes, "We need more rated R comedies. These are great. We need more yeah. of these things." Um, but they very few and far between do as well as this one did. Yeah, for sure. And I, th- I think that was one of the pieces of trivia I read that Steve Carell, or I think it was Steve, was like so paranoid that the um, film studio was going to come in and tell them that it couldn't be R-rated, that they had like an alternate script ready that was like the, the PG version of it, mm-hmm. which would oh have been God. a very different movie. <laughs> What's Yeah, I mean... 
Uh, I think that, yeah, I mean, I don't think it would have worked. I think that you yeah. have to, I think that this kind of harkens back to sort of the raunchy comedies of the eighties and nineties of like, of, you know, coming of age stories, but you're right. It's such, it's such a clever use of that, of that sort of plot device, putting, pushing it over to someone who's in their forties. Cause it has such different implications. Yeah, for sure. There's a great quote here. I wanted to read from the Washington post critic who said, uh, the most surprising thing about the 40-year-old virgin may be that despite the flagrantly exploitative and gratuitous efforts of his friends, Andy remains steadfastly chaste and genuinely humane. Yeah. Steve Carell has succeeded in creating a character of old-fashioned decency in a movie that otherwise flouts it at every turn. And I thought that, that really encapsulates, uh, I think, what makes this movie a bit special. It's very true. You know, it's like what we talked about earlier. He, you have to have your central character has to be relatable and likable. And if he is, because that's the character that everyone's, you know, identifying with, we all identify with that, that, you know, having something, you know, a secret we're ashamed of or something that we're not, you know, we want to change about ourselves and you can have all the characters around you kind of, I mean, they're, they're very not great people for the most part. I mean, they're, actually, their actions aren't great. I, I don't think that they're necessarily bad people. And what's interesting about this movie is I don't, there's no antagonist in this movie, right? There's no one stopping him from having sex. The only antagonist is sex itself, which is which is actually kind of deep when you start thinking about it. Yeah. And so I think uh, from a writing perspective, Apatow and the crew did a great job of of really kind of understanding how to utilize that character and saying like, hey, this character is going to be the one good thing around all this stuff. And he's going to pull everyone up with him. He's not going to get pulled down with them. Um, and that's I think that's cool. And I think that's it kind of speaks a lot to Apatow's work because on surface level, it is just kind of raunch for raunch sake. But he does good work like mm. funny people's good 40 year old version's good this is 40 was depressing but good um (laughs) the movies are are a lot deeper than they have any right to be from as as just kind of surface level comedies Mm. yeah i agree with that and i think when you have such a wholesome character at the middle of the movie that you're kind of cheering for it means you can kind of get away with some of the debauchery happening to the side where you kind of overlook it because it's not like you don't feel like they're pushing that on you as, as much well, I mean, if, if the character that's that's doing the debauchery learns a lesson that the debauchery is bad, um, <laughs> then I think that's what you want, right? That's 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 the ideal outcome of any sort of narrative is to have the audience walk away and go, huh, you know, like maybe yeah. sex isn't this disposable thing and maybe taking advantage of drunk women is bad uh, <laughs> and we should not be teaching people to do that, right? Because it leads to unhappiness um, because it's not what you want. And I think that's I think they they succeed in that. Um, and it's such a delicate balance too, because other movies have failed in that and those movies don't age. I don't think nearly as well as this one did. Yeah. Yeah. I think I appreciate about the movie in general is that, you know, even though the, the main crux of the movie, or I guess the main point is for, you know, this guy, Andy to lose his virginity throughout the movie, he gets many, many chances where he could just take the easy way out and get it done and get it out of the way. And maybe the first couple times as as the viewer, you're kind of rooting for him. You're like, all right, he might be able to get to do it. But by the last three or four chances, and he keeps declining and he keeps, you know, it, it doesn't feel right for him. It doesn't feel right for the audience either. Like, right, it, that end scene mm-hmm. with um with Elizabeth Banks, you know, it, at, at the end, just like, just like Andy is and just like Andy's friends are, the viewer is like hoping that this just doesn't happen. Yeah, for sure. Because it just doesn't feel right. And I appreciate it. Yeah, that oh, part. absolutely. And and that's good storytelling, right? You, If you're sitting in your seat in the third act of the movie going, don't do this thing, don't do this thing because you're in love with Trish and the character hasn't quite gotten there yet, that's good writing. 
that's yeah. where you should be, right? The audience should always come to that conclusion right before the the main character does because that creates the tension that you want in the scenes. Um, and they do a good job of that. And there's character growth on the side of the the all of his friends too, right? The um, Jay ends up like stop being he stops being a shitbag presumably, and uh, <laughs> you know has a kid with his with his girlfriend and gets engaged. Um, and Paul Rudd. Actually, I guess Paul Rudd kind of regresses a little, a little bit there, but I, I, he stops being a creepoid who's uh, stalking his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. So I guess that's something. I guess that's better. somewhat growth. I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Andy's adventure, right? We're on the story with Andy. And Andy, what Andy realized and taught everyone is that sex is something you're spo- that, that is an expression of intimacy, and it's something you're supposed to be doing with, with someone you love. Um, and I don't think that's a bad message at all, and I think that absolutely comes across by the end of the film. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh, before we dive into the categories, the number one song when this movie was released, just to kind of set the scene a little bit, uh, let's let's have some guesses. So we're talking God. August 2005, Mario. You Jesus were probably bopping around Christ. in the living room. With the... Yeah, I'm sure I was. Uh, <laughs> oh, Christ. I mean, you weren't in America, so it's a, probably a little harder for you to know okay. what was happening in, in the Billboard <laughs> charts. Hey, maybe I was keeping up with it. You never know. Maybe seven-year-old Mario was really, really uh, adept to the to the tunes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna th- just, <laughs> I'm gonna say Britney Spears. It, it's a Britney Spears esque diva. So uh, okay, that gives me that gives yeah. me okay. much. Christina Aguilera. How about that? A little older. A little Jessica older. Simpson. Like a decade or two older. A decade older than Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Are we talking? Jennifer Lopez, maybe? Jennifer Lopez, yeah, J-Lo. Mariah Carey. Oh, oh Mariah Carey. That's yeah. not fair, though, because Mariah Carey had slaps, like, basically all throughout the 90s, 2000s, and yeah. she's still putting out good work. Yeah. But what was what was the song? Uh, we, belong to, we Belong Together. Mm. Okay. Which, uh, which, from looking at the charts, it was number one for, like, eight weeks, and then another song came in for one week, and then it had another, like, month or so. So it, it had a great 2005. Good for Mariah Carey. Over in the, <laughs> the the Australian soil with the Aria charts, the movie came out a few months later, and our number one tune was Pussycat Dolls, Don't Ya. So there you go. Good one. There Great you song. go. That's that's Great what was song. happening in 2005. So now we're here. What have you done for me lately? Uh, Steve Carell, uh, he's really good on Morning Wars, or in the US it's called The Morning Show, and I think a second season of that is coming out this year. He's got a mm. Minions movie happening. Uh, Seth Rogen when he's not warring with ted cruz on twitter he's put out the uh american pickle movie did anyone see that because i, I, don't think I did it came not out here. i yeah, saw the trailer for it it's an hbo it came out on hbo um as an hbo original for us mm. in the states and uh i was like i'd have zero need or desire to see this film <laughs> yeah i think covid kind of ruined any chance that had but I'm no, I think to the plot it. and the trailer oh, really? ruined any chance of me wanting to see that. Okay. I was like, wow, I can't think of something I'd want to watch less than someone getting brined and, and I guess frozen in time and then getting thought out from like 100 years later and now to teach his millennial grand great-grandson how to be a man. No, I don't need this. Sorry. No. I'm like, I'm okay. <laughs> Nick, you're like, I've already seen Encino, man. I mean, they did it right. <laughs> Why not just watch the original? Blast from the past. You know. Radmobile. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm the, I'm the kind of fan of Seth Rogen where I'll probably give it a shot if it comes to some streaming service that I have because oh. I just respect most of what he's done. Yeah. I'm, don't, don't get me wrong. I love Seth Rogen. I yeah. love everything he's done. I think his career, following his career, has been just a blast over the last couple of decades because he's just really, really funny. Yeah. Um, and I, most of the movies he, do, he does, I, I watch. I just watched... Um, 
Uh, God, what did I just watch with him in? Oh, no, I'm thinking of uh, someone else. But anyway, I love him. He's great. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Office Christmas Party, but that's TJ Miller. I was thinking I was going to say The Night the night Before. That's something where it was like a Christmas The Night Before yeah. is, yeah, that one is Seth Rogen. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah, so. I saw but, that in uh, theaters, oddly enough. I don't know why, but I, I just went to theaters for that one. Christmas, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he had a few episodes on the latest season of Big Mouth, which was, was quite fun mm. to see all those guys. I haven't watched it yet. And he's got the um, Invincible series coming later this Very year. Very excited about part that. Of, yeah. So, that'll be so cool. obviously, like, what, what, one of the things I love is that he's a super nerd, and right. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, had a hand in bringing Preacher to the to the TV as well. Yeah, um, yeah the boys gave, too. And, and I think him boys, and Evan yeah. Goldberg. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, like, those guys are just having the career that I wish, like, I I would like to think that I would have had if I was in movies, <laughs> where you just find all this amazing like work in comic books and bring it to life yeah. uh, in in various forms. Um, although I will say that I watched a couple episodes of Preacher and I was taken aback by how different it was from the, from the source material. So I just stopped watching it. Speaking of like adaptations, he also produced the Console Wars documentary, which is a really That's great true. look cool. at, um, at Blake J. Harris's book on Nintendo versus Sega in the 90s. Really great book. recommend that. It's on Apple TV in Australia. I think over with you guys, it might be on Hulu or something. Anyway. It's okay. You're not even going to have any idea with probably Jono, but it's on CBS All Access for some right. reason. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I know what that is, but yeah, yeah we yeah. don't have that here. So No. Um, no, you're not missing much. No. Yeah. Although you are missing Discovery, and I do like Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> no, Blake's a good friend of mine. He was kind enough to, to shoot me a link, so I watched it a, a few weeks ago. Really, really recommend that. And um, there's good, still, apparently, he was saying that there's still like a... Uh, dramatized version of it in the works so i think seth oh, cool. rogan and evan goldberg have the rights and they'll, they'll probably be involved with that as well really cool to see them jumping into that world uh romany malco who plays jay uh i, I knew him from weeds before seeing this and he's oh, really good right on that on. series uh he's recently done a show called a million little things and he was in night school the kevin hart movie so we oh. got to see a bit of uh a flash of, of their chemistry in, in 40 year old version. That was a great little cameo. Catherine Keener, who is the lead Trish, like the female lead in this movie. I completely did not recognize her because I guess it's, it's just been, you know, 15 years, but she is uh, Jim Carrey's sister on the show kidding, which is about oh, interesting. Um, mm. kind of a, a children's entertainer who goes off the rails. And How was that? Is it good? Have you watched it? It is, it is good. I like it. It's, it's, um, I believe it is the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind director, who's who's uh, the French guy whose name is escaping me right now. He mm. did Be Kind Rewind as well, mm. um, so it's got a lot of that surreal kind of aspect to to the way it's filmed. And seeing Jim Carrey play this um, basically Mister um, Rogers style, you know, children's TV guy who's got this dark thing happen in his life as well is 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 really good I, I i appreciate it and it kind of mirrors kind of the breakdown that we've seen him have in real life to some degree over the recent years although i do i do respect the art that has come of that his actual paintings are amazing yeah he's, he's very tight he's a very talented artist he's just yeah. had some has some trouble uh dealing with the reality or actually mm. maybe he hasn't maybe he's just interpreted it differently that's right uh, and lastly kevin rudd obviously ant-man is the gift that keeps on giving there's i think a what if uh marvel series coming out this year that he's going to be part of Fantastic. on top of that you've got ghostbusters afterlife which mm-hmm. he's involved with with the delay till november i think 
And I want to give another shout out. We mentioned this on our Anchorman episode, but he's got that underrated Netflix series, Living With Yourself, that came out just mm. two years ago and still no word on another season. But I would recommend that if you haven't seen it. Okay, here we go. What's the most 2000s moment or thing in the 40-year-old virgin, Nick Scarpino? Oh, God, the gaming chairs and the N64. (laughs) The fact that they're playing an N64 and they're like, I just, I'm like, wow, that that is such a relic. In fact, I think that might have been a little late. late, I think that would have been a little late for the N64, but those gaming chairs just kill me. (laughs) You know what? The, The Mortal Kombat game they're playing it's actually a, a GameCube or PS2. Era. Yeah, that's Deadly yeah. Alliance. <laughs> yeah, so like Seth Rogen's playing with the wrong controller, basically. <laughs> Hilarious. You know yeah. the prop guy was like, "What? It's all Nintendo, right?" And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, "You're not a real thing. gamer." Um, but that was that was fun. Those little glimpses in, like he mentions playing Halo, and Halo Two was big at the time, and you, like you see him in the game chair, he's playing like Tony Hawk Three or something. Yeah. Right. But they're playing. But at one point, someone's playing with both joysticks in the game yeah. chair, and you're like, "That's not." There's That's no how that works. That works. <laughs> there was no connectivity between that game chair and a GameCube back in the day, probably. But yeah, I was always curious. I, I, I wasn't sure if it was a prop they made just for the movie or if that was like a real thing. But oh, I, I'm sure. I, I it's guess a real I'm thing. sure it's, it was a real thing. It's that, that, got to be a PC only, right? Probably, but probably. that's such a that's such a th- 2000s thing, like that <laughs> gaming chair specifically, like the idea of like, yeah, you have the controller to your and it moves with you. And that's mm. that's such a like a 2000s gimmick thing that that's that's a 2000s moment right there. Yeah, I will say like very early on to the movie, I was watching it with my girlfriend and I think it's Jay that makes a reference to Britney like super mm. early on to the movie and that was the first like oh yeah this is a 2000s movie <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. like that line just would not be there right now yeah there's a few references that i wrote down for that exact reason uh the apprentice gets mentioned and mm. it's not a, a punchline like it would yeah. be now uh and al-qaeda gets referenced as well damn yeah. um, and i'm like yeah like that is such a you know, it's a bit darker than the other references, but that's very much, you wouldn't be talking about Al-Qaeda now. It would be, I guess if you were going for that joke, it would be ISIS. Or, be ISIS, yeah. Yeah. Or um, any number of the American groups that are yes. cropping up yeah. and <laughs> being branded, you know, being yeah. uh, categorized as domestic terrorists. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned Britney though, but it, it's, it's, it's weird. You would make a Britney Spears reference, but it just, it wouldn't be Britney 1.0. It would be, you know, the argument around whether or not she should be emancipated, which is a big argument happening online right now. And I just right. watched a, I just saw a thing on a documentary on Hulu about it. Um, so you could make those references, but like what's old is new again. Cause back then it was, it was like the tail end of her, actually not even the tail end of her. That's probably 2005. She was probably still mm. putting out albums and, and, and doing okay. Yeah. But yeah, now she's uh, she's a different person. Definitely, yeah. Uh, the most 2000s moment for me was when uh, Steve Carell or, or somebody calls VCRs dead technology and he's mm. like recommending the yes. VCR slash DVD player. And I love that because I, I just did the 51st Dates on this podcast and there's mm. a lot of VHS in that movie. There's a lot of them sitting down and watching things on the VCR. And that was 2004. So even in the time between that movie and this movie, you know, you can see, I guess they are working in a Staples style uh, appliance store. So they know more than anyone that it's dead technology. But just seeing all the, you know, the TVs that aren't flat screen and seeing oh, I all, love the, it. 
all that yeah. stuff is like, yeah, this is this is a 2000s. It, it reminds me a lot of, um, we used to have a chain here in the States called Circuit City. And that's yeah. exactly what those used to look like. Um, so when I watched that between that and like, um, like that is uh, circuit cities became eventually like the best buys, right? Like everything got mm-hmm. consolidated and somehow best buys coming around. But, but like circuit city was always hilarious. Cause you're like, this store is way too small to be effective <laughs> to like actually sell people what they need. So every time you walked in, you were like, there's no way this is the best TV on the market. This thing is just <laughs> overpriced and it's just going to be a piece of shit. But you know, you had to buy what you had to buy back in the day. Hmm. I think there's actually a, a Circuit City poster in the background, like in the warehouse area of, Is there? of, yeah. of this movie. So that's obviously where they've gone to film it and forgot to, to remove it. But Yeah, probably. I think I think yeah. I read a piece of trivia saying it used to be an old Staples, actually, and they like retrofitted it, and, right, and mo- sure. and made, which makes sense because that location actually, I think it's a real location in LA. Yeah. Um, or in the Valley, probably. It's probably in the Valley of LA. And there was actually a We Sell Your Stuff on eBay store across the road, which was the inspiration for the We Sell Your Store. No, we Sell great. Your Stuff on eBay store. What a, what a ridiculous... <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's awesome. Yeah. And like, that's another 2000s thing. Like, why would such you do a, that? A moment, yeah. Why would you have that store? Like, even back then, you can. I love how they're all just confused by the premise. And it, it kind of makes sense. I guess, but for her to actually have a shop front for it is kind of the makes the no sense. Part. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I always thought yeah. that was I always thought that was such an interesting character trait for Trish is that yeah. she has this ability, which, by the way, is like it wasn't easy selling stuff on eBay back in the day. It used to it used to just confuse the hell out of mm. me and scare me. But she does that. But she has, she's also like I have to make myself look legit, so I'll open a storefront, yeah. and then which leads to. <laughs> What I think is the best bit of improv in the whole in the movie is Jonah Hill being like, I could give you so actual good. money right now. <laughs> and just, I'm just trying to give you actual money and walk out with these boots. And you're, yeah. But what's amazing is like, I don't even want to know why he's drawn to these boots or what they're going to be used yeah. for. It's right. Just, I love that that's not the, the crux of the joke. I love that the J- joke nothing. isn't it has that the nothing boots to are do ridiculous. With that. Yeah. <laughs> can you can you imagine him wearing them though? Because I can't. Oh that's goodness. the funny thing. Absolutely. Like- but that's what's like, it doesn't matter. It's just. Yeah. It's the absurdity of somebody in that writer's room or in, in when they were writing the script was like, or I probably just that day was like, it's going to be, we got to do this joke. Someone's going to come in for these God awful boots and they're going to want to pay for it. And they're going to have to go online and no one's going to understand that. Cause it's like the very <laughs> beginning of really e-commerce, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention, like some of the outfits that we're seeing, there's a lot of oh, polo yeah. shirts uh, a lot Seth of Rogan's Sherman char- shirts. Yeah, mm-hmm. Seth Rogen's character has like the chain wallet, which yeah. is like amazingly perfect for who his character is in this mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> I knew so many dudes with that. I'll and say the goatee, Leslie- by the way, he had the goatee. That was a huge yeah. thing in the late in the early two thousands. Yeah, yeah. Leslie, Leslie Mann. Mann's yeah. entire outfit is very, oh, yeah. very horrible. Like- it's just yeah. the like bedazzled hat and oh, and she's like God. she's singing to what um I'm, Missy, I'm, Missy I'm Elliot blanking. she's singing yeah. to Missy Elliott's house so that entire sequence with yes. Leslie Mann is very I much so a piece of its time for sure that 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 was yeah I wrote <laughs> I wrote Leslie Mann outfit Missy Elliott yeah great <laughs> and the fact that um you know we get a scene where Seth Rogen's wearing a brown shirt with brown pants as well i was like because i own a lot of brown pants and brown jackets and i'm very careful not to like wear them together but he he rocked it and and, know, and yeah. by the way it's not a joke it's not ironic it's no. just that was the fashion that was what the At a nightclub yeah production designer and the costumer decided was going to be what they wore and it's funny because mm-hmm. like steve carell wears a um a lot of like buttoned up polo shirts 
I had a lot of those back in the day. I had a lot of those. I had a lot of cost shirts. Um, and that's just what you wore. And yeah. brown was very much the color du jour back then. And I'll tell you one thing right now. It's not good together. Brown on brown on maroon <laughs> no. on burgundy is just uh-uh. terrible. Unless you're Indiana Jones and then you can pull it off. Hey, man, well, it was the 30s. Off. They didn't have co- they didn't have like a lot of bright colors back then, right? They just had muted earth tones. That's all they yeah. could They had wear. to worry about the Nazis back then. They didn't have... Yeah, the- yeah they had bigger, bigger stuff to deal with. <laughs> my, yeah, my cousin wore like only Lacoste polo shirts for like five years, I reckon. I mean, I'd be, I'd be honest with you right now. If I were in better shape, I would rock the Lacoste polo shirt still. <laughs> I love that. I still love that look because to me, it's always like... To me, when, whenever anyone wears a fully buttoned up polo shirt, it just makes me think of Royal Tannenbaums. And I just, <laughs> I just love that sort of like that, that, that feeling it evokes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The most iconic scene. I mean, Go it, ahead, it has going to be the same thing. We're going to say the it same has to, it's the waxing scene. <laughs> the waxing like, scene. 100%. We all have to agree. It's that. Yeah. It's scene that goes on way too long and is not actually that funny to me. <laughs> Because, but it's funny because it's real. But what he's saying, like his, like Steve Carell's improvs there are just like, I, I, I wish they could have gotten a couple more takes or actually let the group kind of yeah. work with it. But you can tell they were having so much fun torturing Steve Carell, and it comes across on 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 celluloid that uh, they left it all in there. But I, God bless Judd Apatow. This movie was two, how long? Two hours long, almost. Yeah. Uh, hour forty five minutes, something like that. I think I think it, it it's like. I think it's up two hours. Yeah. It's like yeah. bare, almost two hours. Could have been an hour thirty. Yes. Could have cut out fifteen minutes of this. And I almost watched the um, unrated version, which was like thirty-three minutes longer. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need it, man. I love all these actors and actresses. I think everyone in this movie is great. But it's like it's like ordering two pizzas when you only need one. You're just gonna make yourself right. sick after a while. Jono and I were talking about the exact same thing right before you joined on the call because I did have that moment where I was gonna rent it and I might I was about to rent the un, the unrated version and I'm glad I didn't because at the end of the day to this movie you could easily cut out 20 minutes of it and I think the movie would probably be a little bit better for it because I just think I just think Absolutely. the movie has one too many big scenes that are happening one too many things mm-hmm. um and and this the, the the waxing scene is interesting because to me the first pull of the wax steve Carell's reaction is so genuine and he just calls the woman a f- and that's the one that i like gotta laugh <laughs> out of me that's funny yeah that one was really funny because it was so genuine so true but i agree with nick that the more it kept going on the less funny it became and it more was like, oh, you can tell that the guys there were having fun, but it doesn't translate on film as as well as you'd think it did. Yeah. Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> oh, Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. I mean, that's, you want to talk about a sign of your times, Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, shout out to Kelly Clarkson. It's still relevant today. But that was yeah. Kelly Clarkson like at the height of her powers coming off American Idol character. Kelly Clarkson, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I think knowing that it's real and knowing like that – kind of the story that we've probably all heard on talk shows and that kind of thing makes it just really fun to, to watch again and it's it's the one that you think of because of the kind of the ramifications where the rest of the movie you know the next scene he's bleeding through yeah. his shirt Love that. and then for some reason a month later when he's on the date with elizabeth banks he's still completely hairless completely in that spot smooth, yeah um so they they bring it back uh and it's there's, there's not really a scene like this in the, the era so i think it stands out for that reason and you know the the, the fact the way for some reason the way that they wax like 
different chunks randomly across his chest. There's just no, I mean, again, for, and shout out to Manscaped, the sponsor for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why you trim the chest. You don't, you don't wax the chest. If oh, yeah. you, you just trim it down, it's much more manageable. Um, and if you mess up, you're not going to wind up with blood speckled shirts on your, on your very intentful and stern walk home. I love, by the way, it's, that's the best acting he does in the whole movie when he's just walking very fast. Cause he's so pissed <laughs> off just and the blood's he just kicks, seeping through his shirt. He kicks the gate when he walks through it just yeah. because he's so angry. Cause he's great. so yeah. mad. I love it. Yeah. And he wrote that scene for himself. So well, well done, Steve. Good I job, mean, Steve. and shout out to his physique in this too. Cause he got kind of jacked for this. Yeah, Which he I lost was, um, like twenty five pounds or something. Very strange, but I think I think it works, and I think it works because it, it, I think I, I read a piece of trivia saying like he he lost the weight, and people were worried that he was going to be too good looking. But it does work because it's not the mental block is why he's not having sex, not because people don't find him physically attractive. Yeah. Which I think is a deeper and much more fun thing to explore. Definitely, yeah. If it was like Jonah Hill or a character that is less in shape than right. Steve Carell. You'd then it, like, would, oh. it would have had to have been about the physicality of it, right? right it have, yeah. the, the story would have shifted from him being insecure because of his earlier sexual experiences to his, his being insecure mm. because of his body image. Um, yeah. Which, again, not to say you can't tell a good story about that, uh, but I think this works a little bit better because I think it, it humanizes the character a lot more. Yeah. And and shout out to Jonah Hill. Looking looking good. I admire his ability to, to kind of z- uh, zigzag and yo-yo for yeah. different roles. He just <laughs> does whatever he wants. He, he's like to the level of like a Christian Bale back in the day yeah. when he went real crazy because like you see movies where Jonah Hill is ridiculously skinny now and then suddenly he picks up a little bit of weight and he drops it again. He's like a... It, it's it's mm. That's a talent. I will, I will forever love Jonah Hill. I mean, obviously I've loved pretty much every movie he's been in and I've loved all the roles, but I will always put him on the mantle for his work in The Wolf of Wall Street. Which oh my god! I would not. So I would good. never have expected the second. The, the second I saw that he was going to be a part of a Scorsese film, I was like, "That's a weird one." He mm. it starts, and you're like, "You are holding your own against so Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> and you're being directed by Martin Scorsese." Shout out to you, brother, because that he, is. He took like the, the SAG fact that minimum he yeah well he barely got paid for that movie too. It's it's great. He just he wanted to in be in it so bad. Yeah. One of the trivia pieces was that he was like completely out of breath and almost like fainting in the credits scene for this movie where they're dancing. I didn't yeah. even realize he was in it. So I watched mm-hmm. it again. He and is. there he is in the background in his like poncho, crazy, like Mexican poncho. for some I mean, reason. Again, it's one of those movies by the time we get to age of Aquarius, you're like, God, this is so ridiculous. You can tell they were having fun making it. So but funny, to, to Mario's earlier point, <laughs> do we need a full on dance number from like, I mean, this is no disrespect to hair, but I have have you guys seen the musical hair? Like, <laughs> when's the last time you thought about that? What yeah. a weird, out of left field, like, reference for them to throw in to a movie that's largely populated by pop culture references. Of it's, the worth now. It just, it's worth it just to see Paul Rudd, like, dancing shirtless with some of those moves, though. Like, it's it, it's it's the, the kind of scene that you can just, like, you look it up on YouTube and it's, it's a good, like, two-minute watch. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, before we move on from most iconic scene, I because I knew we were all going to pick the waxing one, I wanted to shout out the poker scene. The first time he's hanging out with these guys. It's and a bag of sand. The bag, <laughs> the bag of, of sand. sand like, <laughs> them going around sharing their stories. I, I read that this movie or this character came from a concept that uh, Steve Carell developed at Second City uh, Improv 
uh, I'm sure and I, I'm assuming that it was this scene where it was a bunch of guys sitting around and his character being a 40 year old virgin not knowing what sex like how to mm. talk about it in front of his friends it feels like it, it comes out of that environment and they've managed to turn it into a whole movie so that is a really funny scene and it's the first time you get a, a taste of what the comedy is going to be like for the rest of the film where he's mm. kind of the fish out of water trying to you know, copy the sayings that his friends are, are saying, like mm-hmm. the slang that they're using, and it's just sounding so funny coming out of his mouth. But funny and endearing and innocent, right? Yeah. And I think that's 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 the important For thing sure. is that when he says it, you feel you're like, dude, you don't don't like the good part of you <laughs> thinks don't don't do this. You don't need to be dishonest with these guys. Like, don't hide who you are. It's okay. Uh, but then the person who grew up with a brother is like, I have to make fun of this guy. I have to immediately make fun of him because I'm insecure about my own sexual like experience. So if someone's in the room that's less experienced, let's put the light on him. Let's put the light right on him, which is exactly what this whole movie kind of is yeah. about. Uh, and speaking of waxing, Nick, you said it before. Like It's one of the topics we're going to get to later about how this movie would change if it was filmed now. But like he definitely wouldn't need to get his chest waxed. Thanks to the amazing products from companies like Manscaped. So this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. And we know that surveys say most women prefer a cleaner look. Andy definitely knew that, but he didn't have the right tools for the job. And with Manscaped's perfect package, you can pick up the Lawnmower 3.0 to take care of any out of control body hair. Plus, you got the range of moisturizers and deodorants. They'll have you fresh and feeling good for that special 20th date that's circled on the calendar. If you're smart enough to invest in the Lawnmower 3.0, you'll be blown away by its cutting edge ceramic blade, the USB powered charging stand, LED torch light, waterproof tech for easy grooming in the shower, battery life that lasts up to 90 minutes, more gadgets than the, the million dollar man. And uh, with, you know, without the right equipment, trimming anything below the neck can be as dangerous as pouring boiling hot wax on your chest. But Manscaped has made it safe and easy to tidy up the wandering hairlines. So get the right gear only at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Use the code 8bit at manscaped.com. That's A-T-E-B-I-T. Nick, do you want to say anything about Manscaped? Oh, I love them. I mean, Manscaped has... has uh... Uh, been sponsors of our podcast for a long time. Great, great uh, uh, tools for the right job. And also, I mean, you read their like PG version of their copy. They give us the rated yeah. R version of the copy. So if you if y'all want to hear the best ads ever written, uh, albeit maybe PG thirteen, maybe uh, skew and rated R, come over to uh, youtube.com slash kind of funny and watch some more definitely. stuff. Shout out to Manscaped. Yeah, I definitely go for the um, the Andy version the, the steve carell wholesome yeah. version that that's me <laughs> where you mean like, as far as chest hair is concerned what are we talking oh, no, oh no, the, the, the adder gotcha. yeah no yeah no no yeah. we're 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 not that we, we we gave up on that a long time kind of funny does not no kind of funny stoops low they don't care we're yeah we're, we're down in the basement with the rest of the ghouls <laughs> yeah there's no there's no floor uh, yeah. so what, what holds up the best in the 40 year old version uh mario what do you reckon I think it's what we were talking about earlier. I think it's it's the heart of of the movie and it's the overall message mm. of the movie being being very positive, being very very sex positive, being you know, just being about at the end of the day about a guy who who goes on this journey and and a group of friends around him that go on the journey with him and are trying to help him and yeah, I, I just think the relationships in the movie and the heart of the movie goes really well. Another like Another relationship that we get just a taste of, but I really, really enjoyed is um, 
uh, Steve Carell's with Cat Dennings with Trish's um, daughter, which mm. shout out to Cat Dennings for being in this movie again. Another mm. one that I didn't remember, especially yeah. in the in the age of of Marvel and WandaVision. But yeah, yeah, they have a relationship where at first, you know, she's the, the typical teenager like, oh, I hate this. I hate you because you're dating my mom. And then by the end of the movie, they have like a genuine connection because Andy's just a good dude that is is out there looking to help people and is willing to say his most the most embarrassing thing about himself just to make her feel better. And they sort of have an understanding. And through the end of the movie, uh, Trish's daughter is part of the reason why Trish is willing to give Andy another shot. And yeah, I, I think that the heart of the movie and, and the overall message ages really, really well. Mm. Nick. I agree. I agree. Um, to, to pinpoint a couple of moments for me uh, that are that I just wanted to highlight. Um, I, I just love the comedy of Jane Lynch. I love everything she does. So the good. scene, I think the last scene of this movie she's in is where she tells she's uh, talking she's to Andy yeah. and she's kind of hitting on it. But she's also saying, like, you're not ready for what I got. And she says nah. it, would, it would haunt you. <laughs> and it's the funniest. <laughs> and then she, like, then she goes like this. As if to smell him and then walk yeah. away, and, then and it turns I, around. Oh God! Yeah, she says it. She says it like it would be worth it, but just know that, like you know, you'll never be the same. Yeah, again. and then, but you have like moments like that. You know, if you're a, if you're a filmmaker, or if you're if you're acting in scenes like that, you gotta know that you're like you, like you can see it in, in Steve Carell's face that he's like a second away from breaking. And you got to know that must have been like the third or fourth take they did because everyone on set, you can just feel that people want to laugh around them. And I think yeah. I, I love that scene. And I love the scene where we where we get introduced to her and to Paul Rudd where he's like, I think I can honestly say that if I have to listen to this Malcolm McDonald <laughs> video one more time, I'm going to kill everyone gonna, in here. <laughs> I'm going to set the store on fire. I'm set the store on fire. <laughs> so yeah. funny. I just, I love... When I love when improv is done well, and I love when the scene just just works and they get in and they get out. And this movie has a lot of that. It has a lot of really mm. bad improv also, and stuff that I wish they had just cut down because um, you could tell they were like, "This is going to be the funniest part of this whole movie." And you look back and you're like, "Oh, two guys uh, calling each other gay for 20 minutes does not. That's not uh, that doesn't <laughs> no. age well. That's not good no. comedy anymore." Um, but some of the other improv that that revolves just around the characterizations of the people, I think, is really really top notch. And yeah. and to me, that's like that's just a, a, a level of comedy that is classic and doesn't and and just you know is ageless when you've got those those moments. And I think Jane Lynch is just a, is just a killer again. Yeah. The um. The scene where she sings the the Spanish <laughs> song to ridiculous is is something that was literally done in her audition. Like they improved that and they kept it for the movie. And like as we know with the Apatow films, there's such a you know spirit of improvisation. Like they used a million feet of film, like physical film yeah. for this movie, which is like a milestone that leads to like free champagne from Fujifilm or whoever provides the yeah, I bet because you the spent stock. like $20 yeah. million dollars in film stock and they're like, yay, we're relevant for another five years. <laughs> Shout out to Kodak. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's definitely there. I want to go back to like the message that you guys are talking about. I 100% agree that the message about, you know, sex being a special thing for, for people who love each other, that, that really is um, such a rare thing in this type of, of movie that holds up and i love the fact that even after you know the 20th date and they they get back together at the climax of the movie they still wait until they're married yeah to, to do it that was cute I thought that to was consummate cute. the marriage yeah. and i'm like yeah like that's that really speaks to me um 
and I, I just like <laughs> I just love that they, they get there and it's it's a thing where as is often the case with these movies that have a message like for example The Nutty Professor in the 90s which we've done earlier it's the, they they tend to do this thing where they make fun of a character for being different for like the mm-hmm. whole movie and then at the end they go oh but it's okay because we have a message and there is that going on here as well where you know in that movie there's all these fat jokes and like jokes about being overweight that make you feel sorry for him mm-hmm. but then at the end oh it's okay you know wh- whatever you look like it doesn't matter be yourself and you kind of at least you'd leave the movie feeling like there was a message um i think they did it better in this movie where throughout the movie even though he's being somewhat harassed um and occasionally told that he needs to 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 be different than than how he is you get this feeling like they're wrong and, and Andy has the right idea, even though he's he's struggling with it. Um, I think that th- it's handled a lot better. I and do. especially with what you said, Nick, about the other characters coming around to his way of, of seeing things. I agree. I agree. Because um, at the end of it, you go, wow, he's, he has learned. He, the one, his, his, his hurdle wasn't, you know, um, needing to have sex. The hurdle was was finding someone he could trust right and that's something mm-hmm. that he just never felt because all of his prior relationships had like ended prematurely and that stuff and i think yeah. that that kind of plays a lot into the other characters too but um it, it is it was always interesting when you watch a lot of these movies and i think the ones that don't age well are the ones that are specifically like hey you're different you should conform to society's standards and then when at the end of the movie the character finally does conform to society's standards you're like yay you've learned the the most important lesson of them all which is that conform Conformity is king. And in this one, he doesn't conform, right? He actually mm. waits until he's married to get to have sex. And yeah. if you had to, if you wrote that character as one of the other side characters, he'd be the butt of everyone's joke, right? Um, mm. I, I just watched mm. the movie like uh, SWAT the other day, right? And there was a character who for no reason is Mormon and they just give him a lot of shit because he doesn't drink regular soda. And you're like, that's weird. But like you write that from his perspective and it could be a very interesting uh, character study. Um, but yeah, I think that I think they managed to keep everyone likable in this. And I'm, by the end of it, you're like, huh, maybe I should ha- not have sex anymore. I think that's the lesson I turned <laughs> from it. Yeah. I'm still trying on that one though. Yeah, keep trying. Uh, yeah. So, and you know, you mentioned Jane Lynch as well. So just before we move on to what holds up the worst, which is going to take a long time because there's oh, yeah. so much, <laughs> but I, I wanted to give a shout out to the supporting cast for this film. Uh, just people who were yet to peak. They like they just managed to cast so many great actors. Um, so I, I'll read out a few. Seth Rogen even being like one of the main people in this film. He was 22 years old wow. when this film happened, and I think it is his first movie like he was in donnie darko as like a teenager he had mm. one line doesn't count um and then like freaks and geeks people would have known him from but he wasn't like a he wasn't like the height of comedy on that show he was kind of the the straight brooding kind of like side character this is he was in anchorman as a camera man which i forgot until we rewatched <laughs> right. it but this is like the arrival of seth rogan to mm. me it is the character that we've seen him play for like the next 15 years it's definitely the breakout role for him right <laughs> yeah 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 and it leads straight into a couple of years later knocked up which he was front and center for mm-hmm. and and so much more so shout out to him jonah hill i think it's his first speaking part in a film uh, it's mindy kaling's first speaking part in a film and she obviously went on to work with steve carell and david keckner who's uh the 
you know, whammy guy from from Anchorman. He had some bit roles on The Office as well. So I'm I'm seeing like this kind of group start to form as we as we watch this, and including like um, Michael Scott's uh, Jan, like that's Steve Carell's wife. She's in right. the the sex she's the, education she's the center. Sort of the psychologist for the for the sex. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's awesome! I didn't realize. Uh, Steve yeah, Carell's cool. wife. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. and I don't know what Kevin Hart was doing in terms of stand up at this time. Nick, you might know because I know that he was he was quite big in stand up before he became like a movie star. But this he had this kind of pretty great little cameo role in this film too. Yeah, I think he was. I mean, he was definitely still working his way up as far as uh, major motion pictures are concerned. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, cu- I couldn't speak to a stand up career back then. But he's dominant now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned Jane Lynch. Like, I didn't know, I didn't remember her until Glee. She was like a, a kind of lead part of that. So that was when I stopped and went, like, oh, I'm going to remember this person's face from now on. But then going back and seeing her in this film, it's like, yeah, maybe she'd probably been working for a long time, but this was probably when most people came across her. I mean, I remember her, I remember seeing her in this and thinking that she's hilarious. And then catching back up with her in role models. And yeah. the moment where she goes, you know what I used to eat for breakfast? <laughs> Cocaine. I was like, this is greatest, one of the greatest actors of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. Just kills it. And that movie was, I think, a couple of years, at least a couple of years after this as well. Yeah, it was um, like the it was like the definitive, like the, the the definitive beginning for Paul Rudd and the end for Sean William Scott. <laughs> they were just like where it's like a, it's a high five. You're you're tag. You're in now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That was like a post um, super bad movie, definitely because it had McLovin in there too. It did. It was sort of the last throws yeah. of McLovin, unfortunately, <laughs> for that actor. Yeah. Cat uh, Dennings, you mentioned too, Mario. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if she'd done a ton before this. She seems quite young, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm gonna say it was probably her first like really big like well-received uh film so just a a huge list of people there that i've mentioned who we didn't probably know before this and now we definitely know them and they could they could all have their own movies they could be on the poster for the movies and that's that's pretty cool when that's just kind of bubbling along in the background yeah it's it's wild to think like mindy kaling's in this movie for like 30 seconds and she's now very much a household name uh worldwide i imagine but definitely at least here in the states um and yeah it's 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 cool. I mean, that's that's what you do, man. That that is Judd Apatow's like unbelievable strength is that he just rallies these. He creates this environment where everyone can really be creative and really and humor can really come through. Mm-hmm. And he tells good stories that are a lot deeper than they have any right to be. And like, I don't know if you've seen Funny People, but it's a legitimately yeah. good movie. But it's also yeah. really funny, and it still kind of almost feels it's a little more it's more serious in this movie, obviously. But this movie does take itself seriously. It's not a parody. It's not like a Naked Gun movie where wacky stuff's happening. Um, and I think that's very much like all him. I think he he likes to cultivate that vibe and and create that for the for his actors, and it really comes yeah. through on the, on film. Shout out to also uh, Elizabeth Banks here. I know that it's not like her first first poor, role, but poor, it's still Elizabeth. You want to talk about things that don't age well? Elizabeth Banks thoroughly underused in this film. She is yes. just this like sex crazed B- Barnes and Noble worker. And then you look at the work she's done like lately, and you're like, oh yeah, she's definitely yeah. underutilizing that. She definitely leads <laughs> films. She's great. It reminds yeah. me, and it's funny because they're both in the same movie, and it's it's a little bit of an earlier movie, but it reminds me of Wet Hot American Summer, where Elizabeth Banks it's also in the movie to just be kind of like the the sex crazed 
but character in that movie, that's the commentary on that character, right? Yeah. And that's why I thought she did such a good job there. And in this one, it's almost a step back because, like, all of those characters are playing the archetypes of those characters from, like, the 80s and 90s, right? And that's mm-hmm. why that that movie specifically. And I'll shout out to the subsequent Netflix show that came from it in which John Hamm is the greatest character ever put in a Netflix so show. So um, but she rocks it in that, and they give her a lot more space to play with in that. In this one, she's just sort of used as, you know, for lack of a better term, the hot blonde that works at the bookstore. Um, mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate. And it's unfortunate also because Leslie Mann has, like, one great scene uh so well the two good. great scenes where they where they meet at the bar and then of course the one of the standout scenes for me is when she's like blowing this thing <laughs> it's just like <laughs> the judge recommended that i get one of these <laughs> which is obviously court ordered yeah. um and leslie man of course would go on to be awesome and a lot of great stuff too yeah she she had done a fair bit of stuff before this which is why i didn't mention her in that list like i think she was was she in the cable guy I don't know if she was in Cable Guy. I remember her was being she? in um, the Adam Sandler film Big Daddy. I don't know if that was oh, before yeah. this or after this. She but she was Daddy. great in that. She did a bunch of – I remember seeing her and going, oh, that's, I know her. I've seen her in stuff before this. Yeah. Um, and obviously yeah. she's you know, another another one yeah, of those household she, names. So she was the female lead in Cable Guy with um, Matthew wow. Broderick's I character. Wow. I hated that movie. <laughs> I could, For some <laughs> reason, was... I just did not vie with Cable Guy. I think that's a Ferrelli Brothers film, right? Uh, that's a Ben Stiller film actually oh he did wrote, he direct directed that, that. yeah shut the front yeah. door never mind mm. i did not like this movie at all this oh i'm thinking <laughs> you know what i'm thinking i'm thinking of myself and irene yeah. i hated both those movies i don't like any movie where the main character is just tortured the entire time and then and then and that well i guess i just named every ben stiller movie that's not zoolander <laughs> yeah yeah she was also in george of the jungle with brendan fraser so she had a bit of a moment in the 90s as like that female lead and that was i think probably before her and Apatow kind of started their their life together. So Figured he's obviously out, yeah. used to her. He's he's used to her a lot in films since. Yeah. So dude, she has a great in the, the scene in This Is Forty where she's like, "Oh God, I think I have diarrhea. Do you want to have sex?" And, he, and Paul Rudd goes, "Well, now, yeah, <laughs> it's so good." And wait till I hit forty. It's gonna it's gonna really that's that one's gonna really hit you good. <laughs> good times. Good times. Okay. Uh, well, the moment we've all been waiting for. Oof. What holds up the worst? Okay. So uh, Nick, before we Nick, get to the real yeah. serious stuff, I just want to put something out there that I read in the trivia. And even though I didn't yeah, see yeah. the unrated version, there's a much deeper cameo here. And it partly <laughs> ages good and it partly ages really poorly because of events. Uh, Stormy Daniels is credited oh, yeah. in this movie. Yeah. She's in one of the pornos, right? The yeah, she is. Yeah. And she, in, in the, the unrated Wars, version, yeah. yeah, in the in the unrated version, she actually has a speaking line to to Steve right. Carell's character, like in a dreamlike thing. Okay, and that's that's it. That's one that aged well, not for the right reasons. Right for relevance, yeah, yeah. she's a lot more relevant now. I did see her name in the credits, and I was like, I recognize that name. Yeah, for mm-hmm. yeah. reasons for the wrong no reasons, ever, yeah, or the right reasons, depending on uh, how you want to look at it. Yeah. Uh, Nick, you mentioned some of the some of the stuff already. So, like, yeah, why don't you lead us off the top? With yeah, I mean, the humor that the, the humor that ne- that never ages well, and this is a lot of the criticisms we've had of a lot of those movies that came out of the the '90s and the early 2000s is just the 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 gay humor in this just does not work. Um, and it's 
it's so it's such a product of its time. And these are these are a main criticisms we had a lot of the Kevin Smith films is that, you know, he would default to just, well, one character wants to insult the other character. Well, what's the best insult? Well, you're gay. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we've just thankfully progressed beyond that as a society of having that joke be considered humor. Um, I think I think uh, I mean, I know that we have and that's something that definitely wouldn't be tolerated in a lot of comedy films today because it's cheap um and because it's it's just not it's not good humor um and then obviously i think the other stuff that doesn't age well is you know i don't think they can they can't make a movie now and they probably shouldn't make a movie now where one character is like get that that girl really drunk and then go take advantage of her um i think we have to say like it's, it's, it's like, in the find the one that's the in the DNA. gutter, basically. Yeah. 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 And he's a, goes um, on the whole rant of like, it's in the male's DNA. That that entire sequence is just like, uh, it's like, yeah, the lion, like the lion's got it in the, like, it's almost like an allusion to like a lion grabs a gazelle. Right. And be- because of that, like, you got to grab the drunk chick. Like, yeah, uh, you just, you can't do that, right? That That's messaging yeah. that we just, you don't want to put out there. And I think that's immediately going to have every theater go or go, ah, oh, that doesn't feel right. And then you're going to, you're going to get, you know, they're going to tighten up and you're not going to be able to to make to get any more laughs out of people. And obviously it's like, you know, it's not it's just not a good message to be sending anyone um, in general. Uh, and I think a lot of that, like, it just doesn't work. And it's it's unfortunate because I'm like, oh, you could totally do a cut of this where you cut a lot of the the stuff that didn't age out well. And you'd get that hour, 30 minutes, still good movie because I think the heart of the story would be there still. Um, and the only reason why it doesn't ruin the movie for me is because the person he's saying it to is Andy and the reaction of Andy is what you, you identify with, right? If you identify with the other guy, then you got some thinking to do, but Andy's reaction is like, that doesn't seem right. I don't want to do that. And then when he ends up being pushed into doing that, it has dire consequences for him. Um, and I think that that's, that's the saving grace for a lot of this film is if that character had gone through and taken advantage, um, of, of the other character, um, or one of the side characters, then that would have alienated you from them, right? A, a perfect example yeah. of that is Seth Rogen did a movie called Observe and Report where um, he and Anna Ferris have a sex scene where he pretty much, you know, his character rapes her. And that kind of, that that level of action and the messaging that says to the audience basically is like, this character is irredeemable. This character is bad and you shouldn't like them. And then you're ha- you got an hour left in the theater with this movie. You're like, what the hell am I supposed to do here? Because I don't like this anymore, right? Um, so I think it's it's a lot of that stuff just doesn't, doesn't didn't age very, very well. And I think just the, the general shenanigans um, that follow that don't age well. Some of the stuff that I do think does work, though, is when they're breaking each other's balls. Um, and I think that a lot of that stuff is... Like the way they talk to each other, people might frown upon that. But for me, I think it's it's and it's an important thing to show for the growth of both the side characters and for Andy, because there is a little something to be said for other characters sort of like pushing you into to leaving your comfort zone. Um, and I think I think that comes through and I think that's done, you know, uh, decently enough that you don't end up hating any character by the time the movie. Yeah, the, you know, it's what I was control. it's what I was alluding to at the at the top of the, sh- the of the show of like, even though they are kind of forcing him to do things that he didn't necessarily want to do, it ends up having good, good, a, a good overall consequence of Andy going through all this, these experiences and eventually gaining the the courage to to do what he wanted to do and ask ask the girl out that he wanted to ask out like if you were to take out the the side characters and and the, the friend group that wouldn't happen because it is the friend group that pushes him um yeah. 
Another thing that doesn't hold up the best, just again, product of its time, is there's a kind of a liberal use of the R word there. It's thrown, it's thrown back, thrown a couple of times. I think the scene with Elizabeth Banks, it's sprinkled. I don't remember that. Yeah, Yeah, she's uh, no, it wasn't Elizabeth Banks. It was um. It was when he was trying to use that strategy in right. the speed in dating. The, in the speed dating, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, I mean, right. that's that's definitely one of those words that you're, you know, as a comic or as a comedic writer, you just, you don't use that word. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, we've, we've progressed beyond that um, at this point, yeah. I, th- I think another thing that's interesting to look at is that I don't think that, like, all of the male characters seem to be fleshed out and seem to be three-dimensional, but, like, 99% of the female characters in this movie are just there to either, to be, like, either used or not used and that's stuff that I think that comedy writers now would not do. I think that if you were to write this movie now, you would have some realistic female characters that he would have around him um, other than Trish, who I think is a, is a pretty real character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't, I don't think you'd have a group of guys that were just, that are just sitting there, you know, uh, trying to influence another guy to have sex. I mean, you might, you might be able to do it, but I think there would have to be a couple other characters in there that were female that were like, yeah. Hey, like, cause honestly that could, if he had one female friend and he was like, I'm a virgin, she'd be like, it's not that big of a deal. Just tell Trish. And then you don't have a story. <laughs> you know? Then you're like, oh, we're done. This movie's 45 minutes less, uh, less long. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. there's only really two female characters in the whole movie that like have some sort of story behind them. And that's Trish and her daughter. Yeah. yeah. And I, I forget Nick, you might, you might know the name, the, the whole test that you can do to see if there's, if Bechtel, at any point in the movie. Yeah. I don't think this movie would pass that because no, I think the only not. scene, would be uh, Trish and her daughter, and they are talking about Andy. So yeah, does not pass it. That does not pass the test. And again, I don't think you know. I, I think the story is about Andy, and the story is about his friend. So I don't, I don't begrudge them that. Um, but I think there's only one character, maybe two characters, that are the side character that like give these guys shit for acting like complete and total assholes, and that just is not that people don't write that anymore, and for yeah. good reason, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that's socially unacceptable from, uh, you know, what we've already mentioned, uh, but also the just blatant sexual harassment that's happening to him at work, where he, he comes there the day after yeah. the poker game, and there's people, like, talking about it and, like, asking him why he's never had sex and, like, encouraging him to go out and, like, spread his seed or, like, whatever it is, it's, like those conversations aren't appropriate at work. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> like you're, and Jane Lynch's character is the worst of all. Like, she's the boss she, character who's basically she's like... She's the boss. Asking have you ever heard of the word buddies. buddy? When she says that, you're like, oh my yeah. God. If you said that in your work environment, you'd be like, well, yeah, it's, uh, we got we to part ways here. We got to part yeah. ways. Yeah. And there's not even like a reference to it being inappropriate. It's just like, oh, just ignore it kind of vibe to yeah. it which yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't really doesn't really hold up these days yeah for sure um, yeah we had a couple comments from from some of our listeners that t- asked about these topics uh, matt tilby said would the you know how i know your gay scene be the subject of debate if the movie was released today i think we've established that it would and then our friend uh, kevy coops says is this movie considered a little sexual assaulty for these times and i think that's probably alluding to the whole drunk credit uh predatory kind of thing but i mean nick tell me because you were probably you know a single man or at least on in that culture a bit more like going to clubs and and bars and stuff in the 2000s i'm guessing that the way these guys are talking about women is true to the time am i right hmm 
Um, I definitely think pop culture wise, sure. Like, um, I think that I, I think that they're they're trying to have sort of like the caricature of what a group of guys kind of like, for lack of a better word, word locker room talk. But there's like there's one scene that stands out to me that I'm like, this just feels like totally messed up. And it's the scene where like they all he's like that woman in there scares me. I just want to leave. And and, and Paul Rudd um, and the J character are like. Um. Yeah, let's go, man. And then Seth Rogen goes, just walks yeah. into the bathroom, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my god, that's so." That's you got to have another shot of her going like, "Oh, who are you?" And he's like, "I'm so and so." And then she goes, "Oh, I'll come in. I don't care, right?" Because if not, it just seems like he's trapping a woman who is naked in her yeah. bathtub, yeah. <laughs> and he's way bigger than she is. And I'm like, that's one of those where I'm like, that you would never be able to do that, right? You'd no. have to have way more context. Another take. They'd have yeah. to have a different a different setup for her hooking up with him that that puts a little bit like you know most of the majority of the power in her hands in that regard. Um, mm. I think that the I think that the idea of the guys going to the club and like and talking about hooking each other up, I think you could do that now. I think you just have to have that be a little bit more positive of like supporting each other to like go out there and take the chance to like to initiate conversations with women. Um, hmm. But again, I think one of the things the movie does well is it, it shows them in that light on purpose because that gives them r- the room to grow. Um, hmm. And so like the characters that are all like, oh, you know, they always talk about. Uh, they they use they have a liberal use of the word pussy right you're putting the pussy on a pedestal and all these things well by the end of it like that character that says those things has learned a very valuable lesson which is that like he's got a he's got a kid on the way right he's got to grow the hell mm-hmm. up he can't he's got to face his own insecurities and stuff like that um, so I think that I think that that stuff is kind of done purposely and kind of beats you over the head with that so that by the time we get to the end of it you've seen growth in the characters and they are, you know yeah. you know other than Seth Rogen who I think <laughs> probably <laughs> I think that character went on to. He's still young. Live his life, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, at the start when I said I think that you probably relate to some of the characters in this movie, Nick, is I was thinking, I was picturing like a a younger Nick Scarpino working at IGN with some of the young guys and kind of like giving the dating advice to, you know, whether it's like Tim and Alfredo or like those guys being that like that mentor figure. (laughs) Well, I mean, and and again, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with like, you know, we, we tend to demonize groups of guys together like, helping to support each other. And, and I think largely we do that because it's, it, it gets toxic very, very quickly. Um, mm. But I think the scenes that I really appreciate in this movie are the ones where they do get real with each other and they do sort of like pull the curtain aside. And Paul Rudd's character is like, Hey man, like Paul Rudd has a great line where he's like, Hey, what are you like? They all go and they're like, what are you doing? You know? And he's like, how the hell did you guys get in here? <laughs> and he's like, this isn't you, right? We've learned yeah, yeah. who you really are and we really like you and you're not that guy. And we've been pushing you to do this because we thought, you know, it comes from a good place. I, I think that that's kind of the heart of it, right? Is it does come yeah. from a good place. They do want to help this guy. Um, it's just, they're going about it so wrong where if you, if this were happening in, in real life, you would encourage your friend to go out with Trish because Trish is the thing that you could clearly see is good for him. She yeah. is a mature adult who can absolutely help him through this thing and they can have a great blossoming relationship together. Um, and they're good. They're great for each other. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the last thing I wanted to talk about here, and it's not necessarily that it holds up the worst, but it's aged the worst probably. And it's the concept of a nerd. This movie is probably like, if you look back at like the way that nerd culture has evolved since 2005, like this guy is kind of a hero probably to a lot of people. You look at his collection of toys and like right. action figures. And like, I think a lot of people now would be like, that guy's house is so cool. Like, yeah, that guy I is want cool. All- <laughs> yeah. Like look at his posters and look at, you know, 
I know so many people who have their, you know, man caves. And I made that joke at the start of the episode about Mario having some action figures in the background there. You know, like it's it's not as it's not like as socially awkward and it's not social suicide now compared to probably in the 2000s, I'm guessing, pre-MCU, pre like Star Wars coming back mm-hmm. in and even like things like The Hunger Games and Harry Potter was was becoming quite big, but it really like just exploded and continued to explode around this time. So I think that like that concept of like this guy is a virgin because he's a giant nerd and socially awkward, I think that has kind of... I like to think that that has probably aged a lot. It's interesting because that's not how that was my read on that. So that's it's funny because I think maybe that might have been my read at first, but I never pegged him as a nerd. I just pegged him as someone that failed to grow up. And I think I right. pegged him as someone who was holding on to those relics of prepubescence because puberty was so painful for him. Um, mm. And then when he's forced to thematically sell those off for his future as an adult with this woman, he has that, he has really the big crisis of conscious moment in the third act, going into the third act, yeah. where he's like, You're forcing me to do all these things. I don't wanna do these things. Um, but in reality, what he's saying is like, I don't want to, I just don't want to do these things. I'm scared of, of growing up and pushing beyond this. Um, and so I think it all, it's all, you know, if I walked in and I saw someone who had a room full of Marvel toys, um, and that person, you know, had a lot going for them. I think that's a little bit different than, than someone who was, you know, obviously regressed back to his mm. prepubescent state. Um, but I do think it's a lot more socially acceptable now. Sure. Like you see people like, I mean, for Christ's sake, if you follow Brian Altano, um, <laughs> yeah. you might think he's got a problem, uh, but I mean, he's, you know, he's he got might. it together and he's just, a, he's just an enthusiast about video games and, and, and Marvel stuff. And I don't think there's anything it's wrong with that. Yeah. And I, I do think that's, it's so interesting because I mean, to, on that point, it, it is, I'm of the generation where I grew up with Star Wars, right? I was a kid when Star Wars came out. And so I have that struggle in me of people saying you have to put away those childish things, but I also make my living by loving those childish things, right? I had a point in my life where I was like, I should stop playing video games because adults don't play video games, right? Like people who make films don't play video games. I did myself a disservice because if I could have kept that passion and that love for that, I think it would have helped me throughout the years. I don't think it would have been a hindrance to me Mm. at all. Mm. Um, So yeah. Well, it it became your career. It did. And and, 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 and it did. And it's, and it's one of those things where like I've, I sort of fought against it for a while um, because all throughout my, my career at IGN, I didn't play that many games, but I think I would have, I would have enjoyed it more had I just let myself Mm. slip back into that, um, the passion I had for, for, for video games uh, when I was in my, you know, late teens, early, early twenties. What's well, cool to see you getting back into it now. I mean, you know, you got to get out there in the zone, man. You got those hot drops. You know what I'm talking about, Mario? We're playing Warzone, Nick. Come on. You want to play tonight? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm down. Okay. I like it. Beautiful. Matchmaking here. <laughs> All right. Um, we probably don't need to... Oh, there was, there was one other thing I should have mentioned before. Like, there's the scene with the transvestite hooker, which... Oh, yeah. It, it's It's like... It's just, like, so fraught with, like... Like, I don't know if they necessarily say anything that's like the wrong thing to say it's just really like it's definitely gay panic right it's um yeah it's it's definitely like a there's an accusation behind what they're saying and an urgency behind it that basically is is shame and that would not hold up today by any stretch of the imagination right and Um, then there's like i i think one of the characters is saying he and there's other characters that are saying she and it's just like i think it's the type of topic where with the way that cultures changed you just wouldn't even 
go there. You just wouldn't like even. No, but I mean, honestly, like it's just it's one of those things where like it's just exactly like the gay jokes is that it's just not cool to use a marginalized group like that as a pejorative. Mm. You can't do it. Um, and it's yeah. and to me, from just a from a from a comedy standpoint, and I think I have a lot more. Um, you know, just different perspective than most people. To me, if you, it's just lazy, right? It's it's just lowest common denominator yep. humor, um, and it's it had it's, its time. It was the, yeah. it had three decades. We had the eighties, nineties, and early two thousands. It's time to move beyond that, and it's time to uh, to just grow <laughs> your humor. <laughs> you know, or if you're going yeah. to make a joke like that, it better be very very clever and actually have a, a hidden meaning of support. And if it doesn't have that, then just get it out of your work. Right. Yeah. You know. So the the next question was who would be the most offended, but I think we've pretty much like just covered that with like a long list of people that would be equally offended. Oh, for sure. Some of the jokes. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I definitely think that if you if you spoke to any of your gay friends, they'd be like, they'd, there would be a massive, at the very least, eye roll for this movie of just being like, oh god, like so so many just tired gay jokes in this. Just move move beyond yeah. it. Yeah. You know? And I, I, I yeah. bet it'd be interesting to talk to Judd Apatow and be like, how do you feel about this now? Because obviously one of the most iconic scenes is the, is the you know how I know you're gay. But I'm, and emulated as well. Like I'm sure like a bunch of us probably went home with our friends and, may, and maybe thought it was funny to like do the same jokes with our friends. Oh my God, of well. course, right? That's how this stuff yeah. gets perpetuated. And that's why it's interesting. Yeah. It's always important to have conversations like the one we're having right now is to kind of shed some light on why, the, why we need to move beyond that as a society. Um, and I, th- I think obviously we've done that now for the last like 20, 30 minutes. But yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a lot on our podcast is like, we used to call, you know, growing up, that was just what we thought was acceptable was to call each other gay. And that was an insult. And we just thought it was fine. Um, and it's not, you know, you look back on that and you're like, it just, you know, now that I've got a little bit more worldly view and I have gay friends and I see like just that perspective, you're just like, how could you, how could we all have just been so, so just stupid back in the day and right. so insensitive, but you know, and again, I, I always think it's the cardinal sin of comedy, right? It was just lazy. It's just like, get, get, don't do it, you know? Mm. All right. Uh, does the 40 year old version pass the internet relevancy test? I think so. I mean, as far as like memes, I think so. Yeah. 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 I think even mostly like again goes back to being like the probably the most iconic scene, but the you see gifts of the of the waxing like all the time. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a very common gift mm-hmm. that you bump into, and and a bunch of little references that just still live around in pop culture in a way or two. Yeah, there's it's a very there's a lot of visual comedy in this movie that translates well to those kinds of reactions or whatever it might be, whether it's like Steve Carell screaming, getting his chest ripped to pieces or like um uh, paul rudd having like the video camera like shoved down the back of his pants um there's just like it's, it's just like a great like breakdown kind of scene where he's just yeah. like how did he not get fired after that i don't know but i love that I about mean, jane that, lynch's character yeah. just to be on a side <laughs> that she just sends him home she's just this is happening in the middle of her store and she's just looking at it she's like yeah i think i'm gonna give him the day off <laughs> not fired no not no. brought to hr corporate yeah, he just gets the day off <laughs> no yeah I, I think that um a lot of these apatow films would, would stack up pretty well in this category so next one how would modern smartphones and social media change this movie the, the thing that i wrote down was that the ebay shop just wouldn't exist no um now <laughs> uh and i guess there would have been like some attempt to get andy into like online dating Tinder would be like a huge part Tinder of this would film. be a huge part I of it. Like I feel like the speed dating would be just replaced by Tinder. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think you'd have a lot of humor um, with searching for like videos on like sex education. I think you could have, that's like YouTube. He would obviously go to YouTube, try to figure out how to use a condom yeah. and things like that. Right. Which uh, it was bizarre that he had no idea or hadn't prepared up to that point and had to go to this like resource center with his girlfriend's daughter to right. learn this stuff rather than right. like he knows how to use the internet, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in 2005, it's not like it, it's not like it's 1995 where the internet no. was still dial up, right? It's just 2005. You can, you can find these resources online. Mm. There would probably be a lot of the also probably wouldn't age the best, but with the bad advice, I'm sure like the friends would be like, ah, stock the stock Trish's social media and try to figure out what she likes and whatever. And yeah, there mm. would be yeah, like, you, like you could still write it in a, in a modern way where a lot of the, a lot of the interactions can just take place through social media and through, you know, Facebook and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And the scene where they go to like the bookstore and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks is there, like that might just be like DMs, like this, this chick on Instagram who works around the corner. You should like message her. Right, that kind right, of thing. Right. I mean, the fact that she works in a bookstore, right? Right. Yeah. That yeah, has to be something the, else. Yeah, Although I love, I love me a good Barnes and Noble. There would definitely um, be a scene where they're talking about sexting and telling him to send a pic to... Yeah. Yeah, that had to be a yeah. dick pic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh, well, we've kind of touched on it. Could you make this movie today? And what would that version look like? Because I think, you know, it's a story that is is still like at its core. Like a, it's a great, um, you know, it's a funny idea. It's It's got the heart there. I think that it hasn't aged so much that uh, it, none of that stuff wouldn't work. I think... The jokes or the humor would just be more modern, right? Yeah, I, I do. I think so. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Go ahead, Mario. No, no. I was just. I, I was going to say, like, to to Nick's point earlier. I think if you cut out some of the more problematic moments in the movie, the main core of the story is still going to be there. And while you can modernize it with things like, uh, like social media and stuff, I think, I think the main message of the movie and the main concept of of this group of guys going about helping this guy the wrong way and everybody learning from each other still works and i think most of the comedy holds up pretty well like even though there, there are definitely things that are offensive in it and, and and not aging the best like most of the gags and most of the jokes are still funny today and they're not anything that's like horribly horribly at its core wrong mm -hmm. mm. yeah and i think I, I agree i think you can play around this world for sure i think i think it would behoove the humor to have a, a slightly more diverse like cast of people around him um, help, helping the guide through here. Like I would love to see a gay character in this um, and, and sort of a, a reinterpretation of, I know, you know, I know how you're gay scene, you know, like with, with a, an actual gay perspective of being like, Oh, let's, let's have this debate right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> although that might be, I mean, that might not work either. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but, but I do think that like, if you were to make this now, I think the message I, th I think does holds hold up. I think the heart of the movie does hold up and I think you would just have mm -hmm. to do it by modern standards and you'd be great. Yeah. Cool. Okay. A uh, bit of useless trivia here. The production on the film was halted by Universal Pictures after the first week due to concerns that Steve Carell's character resembled a serial killer <laughs> and that early early footage was not funny. Uh, Paul Rudd was criticized for being overweight and the studio was unhappy with how Apatow was lighting the film like an indie. They also refused to allow Apatow to cast Jason Segel in the film. Doesn't that sound like a really bizarre yeah. like note? Like that that Paul Rudd's too fat. Apparently, uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. That's, I've never seen him look fat. Well, ever. it's also it's one of those but, things. Where it's like you're making a comedy. Who cares? Like yeah, you know, it's not. It if, if this were like a rom com, he's not Ant Man. He's not even yeah. the main character. So who gives? A <laughs> 
how if he's got a couple extra pounds on yeah. him. And for that matter, like obviously the strength of this movie is the humor and not how good looking everyone is, although people are fairly good looking in him. But yeah, that that seems like a weird one. But that's always like mm-hmm. some weird like studio note where who knows, maybe they were trying to push Paul Rudd as like a, a lead somewhere along the line. The joke's on them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> good job, Universal. You lost him forever. Now he's a Disney boy. Yeah. And like the, the note about lighting the film like an indie, that's interesting because like I'm trying to think what Apatow had directed before this and I'm kind of blanking because I know he like produced Anchorman um, and Adam McKay was kind of more the, the, the director. director for, yeah. Yeah. For a lot of those movies that he'd been involved with. So maybe it was like his first. Was it his first? I, 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 I was under the impression that it was just like, yeah. not because I researched it or anything. I just kind of the timeline in my mind was that mm. this was Judd Apatow's first like directorial movie but i, I mean wrong. maybe he had maybe he had done some indies before this hence lighting the film like mm. an indie but this was probably his first like big budget like 27 million dollar movie yeah i'm looking at his director credits right now he directed an episode of larry sanders show freaks and geeks in north hollywood right. um yeah i mean this is i mean this does not smack to me of being an indie film although i did notice that some of the stuff in inside the store was just like very movie lighting um, and some of the stuff outside, I think, was a little bit better, but right. it didn't. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, he he adjusted his lighting after that first week. That makes of sense. Filming. That makes <laughs> he sense. Figured it out. And the the Jason Siegel part's curious because you know Judd had written a part specifically for him and named him Jason, but then the studio wouldn't approve him being cast. Which, like, to me, you know, what do I know? I'm not a studio executive, but like. Siegel was a, a, a lead part on Freaks and Geeks. Seth Rogen was like a side character. Mm. I would have thought that they would have done it the other way around. They said like, give Jason Siegel that role. And who's this Seth Rogen guy? What's he done? Uh, and then that that it was that kind of rejection that encouraged um, Siegel with um, direct some some direction from John Apatow to write for getting Sarah Marshall. Mm. And then he was a producer on that movie. So I guess it was possibly the best thing that could have happened to Siegel because you know when you you know when you come out and have written a movie and starred in it the same way that Steve Carell has in this film and Adam Sandler did in the 90s under the advice from um, from Judd Apatow and I think Kristen Wiig was possibly a writer on Bridesmaids a few years after this in in the early 2010s teens when you've done that, you kind of, I think, set yourself apart from a lot of other actors in knowing that, like, this person can not only, um, you know, hold their own in the scene, but they're bringing a bit extra. They're going to understand the process. They're going to make the movie better by being there. So good on you, Jason Siegel. You, you didn't let it get to you. I agree. I agree. And I think, I mean, that's, to me, the Siegel's always been a little bit different than everyone else. I do look at him more as a creator and an actor because um, obviously, like, the guy helped bring back the Muppets for Christ's sake. So yeah. <laughs> give credit where credit's due and also yeah. go watch Slackers. It's a great movie. Mm. And he did get his role in uh, Knocked Up with this same crew of people right. as well. So I guess this, the studio, uh, may, maybe um, How I Met Your Mother was a big hit by then and they didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, probably right. Yeah. When you're when you're on a hit television show, it's like, oh, maybe we should give the guy yeah, a <laughs> Maybe we can give him a shot. Yeah, <laughs> I love. All right, it's time. Mind, by the way. <laughs> I it's, love that show. It's time for the yeah. What's the what's the the Ted? What's his name? The Ted character's actor like Ran, Rancor or something. Yeah, like that. Uh, oh, Radner. Uh, is it Radner? 
No, yeah, it's something right. Yeah, Josh Radner, I think. Josh, Josh Radner. Yeah, yeah, what's he doing? Like, I haven't seen him in anything. He, you know what's funny? I feel like he, he went the way he of. He makes music. Does he make music? I found out that, like, at some point, I don't even why, but, like, he has, like, a few, like, indie albums, and it's just, like, him with a guitar. So, he good for him. He always reminds me of Zach Braff because I was such a huge yeah. Scrubs fan that I was like, Zach Braff is going to be famous forever. And his, his star just cooled, like, very quickly there after the show. Like, he did Garden State and then another movie, and then it was like, well, that's Zach Braff. That's it. Yeah. I'm I'm loving the Scrubs rewatch podcast that they're doing at the moment. Him and Donald Faison. I mean, I love Zach Braff. He's 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 doing a cheaper by the dozen remake with Gabrielle Union. So okay, oh, yeah, he's, he's still that. he's done hey. he's, and he's he directed an episode of Ted Lasso. So he's a bit more behind the camera. Oh, it's no disrespect um, to Zach Braff. I didn't I didn't mean to say like I'm of course, you know yeah. yeah. It's just uh, <laughs> it's just I'm always fascinated by people that have those shows and make the best out of oh, it. Yeah. But then inevitably your career is going to cool unless you can come up with really interesting ways to do it. But mm. Shout out to him for stepping behind the camera a little bit. I think he directed Garden State too, right? Or yes. No? Yeah. Okay. Wrote, wrote and directed, and he directed the um, going out of style, going out with style with Morgan Freeman mm. and uh, Michael Caine, and yeah, like he's doing a bit more behind the lens, I guess. But uh, it's time for the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. This is where Nick we um, we shout out to the actors who just kind of show up they do their thing you know they kind of steal the scene and then they disappear and there's there's quite a few nominees for this one yeah i want to go through the list and we'll see who deserves it the most jonah hill is the first one that comes to mind great uh with the, the goldfish boots great i wish he was wearing them in the the last scene of the movie he should have uh, alas <laughs> uh, leslie mann is just like hilarious and so on point i gotta give it a, oh that's tough i gotta give it to her when she crashes I into the car so. and she's like that came out of nowhere (laughs) it's so perfect such a good line yeah and then pukes yeah but they apparently like her and seth rogan apparently went out one night and filmed her getting drunk and they used that as like source material for how to play the character that's That's great i love that uh kevin hart has a really great scene with um in the store with romany malco's character I i like david keckner in the um in the sex education session he's the the guy that you mentioned before, uh, He's Nick, great. who people remember from Anchorman. And I, I wanted to mention Jerry Bednob, who isn't a household name, but he plays the character called Mooj, the, mm. I, I'm guessing, Indian or Pakistani employee yeah. from the shop. And he's, like, every time he shows up, he, he's pretty funny. Great. Like, yeah, but um, I don't know. Like, are we gonna just say Leslie Mann's the most deserving? I gotta give it to her. I mean, her scene is so good. I love Jonah Hill. I love the yeah. moment with Mindy Kaling where Seth Rogen pulls her aside. He was like, "You have got to stop messing with my friend's head." She's <laughs> yeah. like, "I changed my phone number. I changed my email. I moved." And he goes, "I did not know that, so I am sorry." <laughs> that was a great scene. She's great that yeah. too. But yeah, I think I think Leslie Mann just brings that like that Leslie man energy to that scene. And it ends with her. Um, I read a piece of trivia on it that said that it was supposed to end with uh, differently. And she was like, no, we got to end with me just throwing up chunks of seafood sandwich yeah. on his face. And that's what it was meant to end. be like a, the police were meant to pull her over and she was going to have like a gun in the car. Yeah. Or something it, like it that. Yeah. ends. That scene is perfect. It's her like perfect. bouncing yeah. off the cars and him just being like, I just want to live. <laughs> it's perfect. And then she's she's like, I'll still have sex with you. And he's I'm just gonna like, pass on that. I love that <laughs> yeah. little line. She's like, I'll still have sex with you though. It's it's yeah, she's so good. She's so good in that yeah. entire sequence. 
There's also the guy, and I didn't write down his name, but he's like the dad of the like Jufro kid that's Who just talking roasts a big his game. Kid that the guy's entire time, and he's just, he's just like constantly Super like funny. shutting down his kid, and that's like so that's so funny. Yeah, kid's like I'd hit that. He's like you'd hit that, you'd hit that. <laughs> <laughs> funny. He's like yeah, we went to a temple this morning. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Uh, well, congratulations, Leslie. Man, you've earned it. I mean, she had a bit more to work with. Um, to be fair, so I, I, Jonah Hill is like a very close honorable mention with like. I agree. Pretty much, there's pretty much nothing for him to work with, and he just like made it hilarious. I agree. In that scene. Concur. Yeah. Okay. Last question: Is it still a good movie, Nick? I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. I think I think the movie is obviously you know we're all mature enough to watch that movie and realize it was made 15 years ago or 16 years ago mm-hmm. and the humor standards back then are just not acceptable anymore. Um, but I think again it succeeds because the heart of it is pure and I think the Andy character is very likable and very good. Uh, and so you know and I think a lot of the humor still works. So I think it's definitely a good movie. Mm. Yeah, I mean it, we haven't even given him enough credit because I think we kind of take him for granted now. But like. Steve Carell is so phenomenal in this movie as kind of like his breakout role with this in tandem yeah. with The Office and everything. But he's so good. He's he's genuinely really funny. He brings a lot of heart to the character. He's a believable character that you want to root for and you want to succeed. And it's it's just full of really good writing at the end of the day and really great character development and and funny moments. It's like a lot of times comedies i mean and that's kind of the point why you do why why you do the show a lot of times if if uh comedy relies too specifically on the comedy of its time it just doesn't add up well when you go back and look mm-hmm. at it it's just not funny anymore but i think this still stands the test of time and i think it's still a relatable enough story we were all young at one point looking to to to, to like figure out the first time that we were going to date a girl and maybe have sex with a girl. We can all relate to that. We can all relate to being nervous about getting out of your comfort zone and having friends that are trying to push you into, into a different mm-hmm. direction that you maybe want to go. So I think it's still relatable. It's still funny. And, and I still really enjoy the, the pretty much every character's story. Yeah. Now, well said, I, I think it's still very funny. It's very watchable. Um, despite the issues that we've talked about there's like there was never a point where i was like i just have to like i just can't handle this it was just you know you're kind of like okay this is what they were going for like you you understand what the the time was like and it's not like it's not necessarily like a fast forward through this sequence because it's so unbearable as much as you may be cringing a little bit knowing like how how much it's aged so i i think that it's um yeah it, it's still very rewatchable it's the shortest of the apatow movies despite you know talking <laughs> that's about crazy. It, that's crazy that's, to me. yeah the, the fact that it is a little too long um but it's funny there's like the director's cut that's got like extra footage i wonder oh, if they'll if apatow will one day release films that are like shorter <laughs> in hindsight I, but i, I would think, love for him think... to do that but i mean it's it's you know it's fine it's it's too much of a good thing and that's okay um i think yeah. it works a little bit more and is more dramatic stuff like like funny people i think you want that a little bit more but in this one you could yeah. just cut the song out at the end that would that would that would shave five minutes off right there and then yeah yeah i mean you could but man that was like my close like <laughs> jonah's that was my third for the song yeah that was my like third choice for like most iconic scenes it's so weird it's just so weird to me i remember sitting in theaters being like oh oh we're not done 
Uh, okay, I guess <laughs> yeah. I'll right. just watch this scene while where they're dancing. The whole time that that scene is going on, I, what I will say is that I'm waiting for the credits to start rolling. Like I, every time that mm. they cut to a different person singing and dancing, I'm like, cue the credits. And it takes a little bit for the credits to finally come in and yeah. to kind of give the audience like, <laughs> you can go. <laughs> you, you can leave. Yeah, you can leave now. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Dick, for coming on the show. I, I mentioned earlier, like we've done some podcasting before. You were on my podcast putting in work talking all about your career leading up to kind of funny and i guess it was the start of your stand-up career back in 2018 so if you want to listen to that podcast talking all about business that's there now we've covered the pleasure we've we've done both sides of the coin i'd be great to have you come back again on this show if, if you've uh, got the time but we thank you for yeah, for, for humbling us with your presence, Nick. <laughs> well, thank you for the invite. I would love to come back. I love talking movies, and you guys are you guys are really, really fun. This is a great way uh, to spend a Saturday afternoon. So thank mm. you again. Brilliant. And Mario, thanks again. <laughs> I love I love <laughs> how Nick gets a whole dialogue, and I just go, hey, thanks, Mario. <laughs> hey, man. Once you've done this well, show once, I'll come back you're on, part of the scenery. Exactly. I'll come back on in a month, and I'll, I'll get the, uh, it's Nick. That's all hey, I'll get. Yeah, I'll be like, <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, and thanks, Nick. And you can follow. Yeah. So, I mean, I want to say shout out to, to, to these guys for coming on the show. But also, if you want to support the podcast and the rest of the podcast uh, as part of the 8-Bit Network, you can head over to Kofi page at ko-fi.com slash we are 8-Bit. That's A-T-E-B-I-T. It's where you can chip in a few dollars to support what's going on here. You can get part of our family portrait if you want to be portrayed as a star wars character that's available now in one of the commissions you want to help out this podcast specifically you can do that with your apple podcasts Podchaser ratings and reviews all that good stuff that makes us feel all warm and fuzzy when we see it and when we read it and mario one big topic obviously people can do the same for you they can do the same for kind of funny you guys don't need it i'm gonna be honest you guys don't need the, the ratings and the reviews you're doing just fine we always do as long as they're good <laughs> get out there don't listen to him don't listen to him go do it (laughs) five stars only five stars only uh but i mean if you ever do apatow and review nick you've got all the material ready to go so perfect i love it and we probably will eventually because obviously there's a lot of great movies in there so hopefully we'll be able to do it yeah i mean there'll be there'll be a few more to come on this podcast so i'll have to get you like your top five picks for what movies you'd want to cover from the 2000s and i'll try and work you in there but uh, oh great yeah mario where can people find you on, on socials uh, pretty much everywhere. I'm at Mario Bros. Same thing for YouTube. Same thing for Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Mario Bros. Everything. That's where I'm streaming and I'm playing some games. But Twitter Twitter is my main hub. I spend way too much time there. So make sure to go yeah. click follow over there. Thank we all. And Nick, how about yourself? I am on, on Twitter and Instagram at Nick underscore Scarpino. Um, and you can find me over on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny or YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Or if you like Let's Play stuff or, or uh, longer Twitch plays, we just started a new channel, YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Plays, where we are posting all of our uh, daily streams from Twitch. And if you want to interact with me live, you can uh, find me usually most days around 11 o'clock Pacific time here on uh, Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games amazing of course you can catch me at Jono himself and dear listeners we want to thank you for joining us on comedy rewind be kind <laughs>